Welcome to the Kaibass Nation. Kayak Bass Nation is presented by Dugout Bait and Tackle. Go to dugoutfishing.com to find everything you need for your next kayak bass fishing tournament. Hope you enjoy the show. Jeff Malat, Lunch Money Lambert, Also sponsored by Revo Sunglasses. Go to Revo.com, use code KBN25 to save 25% off your next order. Revo, best lenses on earth. Also sponsored by Western Sun Vodka. Go to westernsundistillery.com and use the bottle finder to find a bottle near you. All right, what's up, everybody? I'm trying to wipe syrup off my face. Meat pancakes right before we go live, right? Pan- I thought uh, you had pizza. Those were pancakes. It's a it's a nighttime breakfast for dinner. It's nothing wow. better, man. Dang, that's yeah. some Gary Morgan Ashley, stuff there. That's some Ashley K pancakes right there. Uh, but happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to KBN Live. Fresh off. Pickwick, Ryan and I, we're both... Oof. Uh, Oof. We should have teamed up. We should have combined. That's what we should have done, should've. Jeff. Could have been a super angler. Powers combined. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't know if you realize this, Ryan, but I'm the, coming back after the summer off from tournaments, I am the model of consistency. Because I finished 31st at Dardanelle in the BOS event. Okay. And I finished 31st on Pickwick. Wow. How about nice. that? That's good. I'd rather be consistent in the top 10, but, you know, consistency is consistent. You got to start somewhere, you know. We're growing the sport, ground level. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, man. Corey Whitechurch in the comments. Good to see you at the captain's meeting, Corey. He had a solid event. He got up in that top 25. Um, yeah, man. How about the weekend? It was fun. It's good seeing you again so soon after Dardanelle. I know it's crazy. It's like we're we're friends in real life too. Look at this, Christine doing the grand, grandfather hammer. I don't know if that's a hammer or an axe or what that means. Yeah. She, she's up in the comments. Old already. grandfather, grandfather. Yeah, we actually got to fish together on tournament day. Ryan was uh, almost attacked by a homeless man right before the sun came. Dude, up. he scared me to death. <laughs> I'm sitting there waiting on first cast, and it's cold, so I have like my hood up on my hoodie. And I was fishing next to like this walking pier thing that connects to a park. And this guy's like, Hey, what are you doing down there? I was, I mean, I, I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? I was like, why it's, it's freaking six Oh five in the morning. Why are you out here right now, man? It's cold. It's like, why am I out here? This is my house, bro. No, that wasn't his tent. He went oh. down there and I was fishing up beside it. And he's like, looks like somebody's abandoned their camp here. And I was like, oh, God. I'm going to bear God. witness to this guy, like, stealing that baby stroller or something out there. Wow. Good. It's <sighs> got it all. It's got it all Love down it. there. Love it. Um, I had a blast, man. It's it's Last year, I went to Pickwick for the BOS event, and it just really, really kicked my butt. So I was glad to at least catch fish this time. Um, caught him in practice a little bit. Caught him on tournament days a little bit. So fun times. It was tough. I mean, it was tough. It, I, I think, you know – a lot of the main lake stuff was was very wishy-washy. It seemed seemed like the creeks and the backwaters stayed a lot more consistent, if you will. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into some of that. If you guys have seen our guest, obviously Drew Gregory uh, laid the hammer down up in some creek somewhere on Pickwick and took the win at Pickwick and went ahead and locked up that AOI title. He was in like eighth or something going into the event, but he yeah. Only and had we three haven't heard yet an official announcement from Bass, but I mean, mathematically there's no way he's not the AOI. So we're going to yeah. go ahead and put that out there. 
Yeah, that's that's two. That's the two major trails, man. He's got the Hobie AOI now, and now the Bass AOI. How about that? It's crazy, crazy yeah. times. Next year he'll fish the All American Series and try to go ahead and snatch that one up. Yeah, that's. I mean, we got to come up with something new, you know. Yeah, yeah, but good on him. So we're going to talk to him here in a little bit. He's just pulling in back to Ohio. He said he was going to be pulling in like right when we started, and he'd be jumping on a little bit later. So hopefully his wife doesn't uh, punch him in the face for saying, hey, I got to go on a podcast as soon as he walks in the door. But he should be here be here soon. You want to recap your, your tournament weekend at all, or is it not – you don't want to say much about it. I see your UT hat there. We can talk about football if you want. That, yeah, I'd rather talk about football, to be honest with you. That was much better. And that's what I told myself. I said, if I trade another piss-poor tournament experience for Tennessee dominating LSU, I'll take it. You know, That's a, that's a fair trade in my eyes. I don't know why, but it brings me joy to see LSU suck. I don't hate LSU, but I still don't want to lose to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're they're not – I don't feel like they're like a threat. They're like Auburn or something in the way. Like, I don't care anything about Auburn. It doesn't bother yeah. me what they do. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Arkansas is terrible again. I don't know what's going on over there with the football team. But Right back at it, son. Right back at yeah. it. Basketball team's about to, to be lit. So we're coming strong mm-hmm. in basketball season. Hey, uh, Kyle, we don't want to hear from you and your 49 to nothing team. This is I know this is a kayak fishing page, but it's college football season. So. They just sold Kyle's team anyway. They go yeah. on. They go on. Fired the whole team. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Friday night and that that little okay. deal that we got to kind of be a part of. What was your what was your take on that? Yeah, and for those that don't know, uh, there was a Bass. The leadership from Bass had a small panel of anglers. They invited to dinner and they asked our opinion on things about what they could do better. What did we think of this year? And Ryan and I, wouldn't you know, got invited as. Huh. Uh, as figures in the community, cesspool, lifeguards of the cesspool. Uh, so we got invited. So that's what Ryan's talking about. We got to have dinner with those guys, along with some other folks, some folks that I see in this chat, and uh, visit with them. And I thought it was good, man. I believed. What was the guy's last name? It was Chris, Chris Bowles. Bowles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Chris was there. B-O-W-E-S. And got to meet the Tennessee Bass Nation. Uh, Prez. He was a cool, cool fella. Oh, um, Doctor Dave, man. Yeah. Yeah, Doctor Dave. He was awesome. He's good. Um. Dwayne was there, of course. Uh, Steve O, a lot of other folks were there. So, a lot of good stuff was talked about. And I felt like they really listened to us with some of the, the opinions we had about things and, and suggestions. What did you think? It was a stark contrast from what we've seen the last two years. Like the last two years, you would try to make suggestions and you were told why you were wrong <laughs> in your suggestions or your opinion. So, to, to have him ask our opinion and then sit there and really take in the information and then reply with how they would fix that issue impressed me. Like, that's all I want. Like, listen, acknowledge. Like, if if the anglers come to you and you're like, hey, this is a weak point, this is how you can do it better, just say okay. Like, you know, be like, okay, you know, we'll take a look at that or here's an idea of how we can improve it. Don't tell them that they're wrong. Like you're the customer, of course. Like <laughs> the customer's yeah. always right. I mean, at least at least take the feedback. Don't just shoot people down. I know that's something that kind of rubbed Josh Evans and Aaron White the wrong way when they hosted that bass event in the Northeast. Like you know, at least treat treat people like you care what they're saying. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's and Chris had, Chris had a great analogy. Uh, he said, "Look, we feel like bass is the best tournament organization out there." You know bass fishing tournament organization out there and he did a comparison i'm going to kind of butcher it but it was basically 
a brain surgeon versus a heart surgeon. He goes, I can be a great heart surgeon, but if I go over here and try to do brain surgery, I'm going to mess it up. You don't want me doing that. And he said, we're a great at hosting bass boat tournaments. But frankly, we didn't, we tried to just take that recipe over to kayak tournaments and that you can't do that. You can't go from heart surgery or brain surgery and uh, succeed. So I thought that was an honest answer to it and a good analogy. Like, Hey, we're bringing in people that know about kayak fishing. We're going to trust what you guys tell us uh, and go from there. So I thought it was good stuff. And I mean, I think even, even by Hobie standards, there's a lot of ways that we can still improve. There's a lot of things we can tighten up. There's a lot of gray areas we can cut out. If this is ever going to be legitimate and taken seriously, which we work so hard to make sure that it's not, <laughs> uh, you know, we have to, we have to tighten this stuff up. Like you gotta have, you gotta have some real concrete operating procedure. I feel like is, is my yeah. own opinion. Hey, look at this, man. Dr. Dave's in the. Dr. Dave, Dr. Dave loves the podcast, Jeff. He, yeah. he does. He's a huge Jeff fan. He said, I don't know what he meant by this, but when I met him at the captain's meeting, he said, you look different. Yeah, I, I don't, said, I think it's, I don't know if it's the lighting. I, I think, honestly, I think it was the combination of your button down and athletic shorts. I think that's probably what threw him off. Threw him off a little bit. Yeah, yeah I think Columbia he was expecting shirt. dress pants. Yeah, no, see, I'm, I'm, I'm business on the top party on the bottom at all times. <laughs> <laughs> Some pleated slacks, I think is what yeah, he was yeah. hoping for. But. When you take a shower at the campground uh, sh bathroom, when you're not even supposed to be over there to come to that meeting, it was the best I could do, Ryan. It's the best Did I could you? Do. Yes. Did anyone see that? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome. I Marty just asked, uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on MLF style events? I said none. He said, well, that answers that question. <laughs> well, he said MFL. I was wanting some expansion on what MFL is. <laughs> well, man. The new league? <laughs> My dyslexia read it properly. I don't know. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think I think uh, the native events done pretty well. Yeah. Uh, you know, being its first year out there, I feel bad for whoever has to judge all those fish. Is why I wouldn't put one on. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm hoping that Marty. I hope that native uh, big bass power hour events that style comes to the Midwest or somewhere in the center of the country next. Cause this year it kind of skirted all around and went out West and went to the East coast, went up, up North. Maybe we can get one of those in the, in the central U S and see how it goes. I think it'd be fun. You could do one on Dardanelle and still judge 200 fish. That's right. Uh, there's other places we could do that. Right I do one on table rock. So that'd be, that'd be legit. You can catch all you want. Um, we tried to actually have the winner of that on, but he was tied up tonight. Maybe we can get those He's guys going on. catfishing. Yeah. I don't know what it is with like catfishing and hating this podcast, but they do definitely seem to go hand in hand. In fairness, he sent me pictures of the ones they caught like a couple nights ago, and it was it was giants. I mean, is it something? Is it giants. something you would trade this entire podcast for yourself? Probably so. I mean, okay. if I could go with him tonight, I probably would. if he lived here, I'd probably wouldn't be here tonight. So I'd be out catfishing. <laughs> Noted. Flat bottom. Um, what was your favorite partner. thing that got brought up there in, the, in that little Friday night meeting? What was your favorite suggestion or, or idea that you heard across the table? Um, making changes to the classic was my favorite because I, to me, that has probably been the biggest detractor from bass is because that was put out there as like the Holy grail or the Mecca and both years that it's happened, it has been just such a rush. Like you feel like you're 
in the way or in the wrong place. I mean, they're just like, you know, running them through like it's a stockyard or something. Like, I feel like there needs to be more attention, more media focus. If they're going to have a championship with the resources that they have, it needs to be something big. It doesn't need to be something like, you know, the janitor just walks across the stage and then the kayakers walk walk across behind him. That's not how that needs to right. go. Yeah, and I, and I think, uh, I forget whose idea that was, talking to the table, they said instead of trying to pull that quick rush on the stage and rush off deal, maybe have that whole thing separate and then bring the kayak champion on to Bass Live during the Classic and, like, interview with Zona and those guys while the Classic's going on where there's a lot more eyeballs on it and you can actually take your time. I think that'd dead, be way better yeah, myself. A lot of dead dead time, you know, at eight hours of broadcasting live fishing. So, yeah, I mean, and if it's not going to be the big show, like you know, when you are on the classic stage and you're holding up that big trophy, you want the smoke and the confetti and the whole nine yards, dude. When Siddiqui wanted, it was like you know a laser light show behind him or something, and it was like, all right, you know, good good to see yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and for us as I anglers, you know, it's cool and exciting, but when you look at look at it from a you know top-down view of, of how it's pulled off it is kind of a rush job and a lot of people in the crowd for whoever's there is like what in the hell is it what is going on steve here? i don't think you can beat hobie worlds buddy i see your yeah. comment i don't think it can be topped yes yeah, you got Fields. that one you got that one pal um looks like we got drew finally in the lobby there he's back home we'll bring him in in just a second we had another question southern fish and hunt on youtube so can we talk about the rumor of bankruptcy of one organization uh, I don't know which organization that is. Drop that in the comments too. If you're talking about KBF, I don't think I think that uh, Chad Hoover did a live video proclaiming that he declared personal bankruptcy, um, but then asked for privacy about that matter after declaring it on a live video. So I don't, I don't know <laughs> if he's talking about the, the person or the organization, but I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any insider knowledge on that. We're just gonna work with what we got out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in a related story, there was a story down in Florida, uh, and on, in the newspaper in Clay County, there that yeah. a kayak organization was paid nearly two hundred thousand dollars to bring a tournament down there next year, <laughs> and promised hundred and seventy grand is what they yeah. were paid. A hundred and seventy grand, and promised four thousand hotel nights in return uh along with the influence of their five million followers on four thousand hotel nights for whatever championship that's going to be named i I, I, we've talked about this before those are the things that get us all in trouble us all meaning people that like to participate in big kayak events when you go in and oversell something like that the the lady that signed off on that i would be shocked if she has a job next year, I mean, that's to, to have cut that check and they, and it, there was an article in the paper that the, the city council called her forward and was like, what in the world have you done? How, why did you just give $170,000 to this kayak tournament? She's like, Oh, they're going to bring, <laughs> they're going to bring in all these people for this tournament. And 4,000 uh, hotel nights. I, I, you know, I hope, for her sake that I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't really see that panning. I don't know of any tournament that we've ever seen that has brought in anything near that. No. And as you know, Ryan and I, we talk about a lot of things, but we never make anything up. This is a real newspaper story from down in Florida. And there's also city council meeting minutes available for anyone to read. And, and yep, it's public and it's public that, it, that yeah. it's already been paid as well. It's all public record. Yeah. Paid a year ahead of time. The tournament's not until next October. Yep. So there you go. 
so much for the bankruptcy southern fishing hunt if that's the same organization yeah so crazy news out there in the kayak world at all times but with that said what do you think when you get drew in here the champ the aoi let's do it all right hang on just a second hey you know what before we do that we probably ought to <laughs> shout out our sponsors real quick I, I was in a rush to get him in here hang tight drew uh, <laughs> ryan's got the western sun on deck Hey, study, study sipping on the Western sun, drowning the sorrows of the, the last event of the year. Uh, the whole year, of course, actually. Yeah, we got Revo sunglasses. We love our Revos. Best lenses on earth. They serve me well in all of these sunny four days. My, my lips are chapped. My eyes are just fine because of the Revos. <laughs> and uh, dugout bait and tackle, of course. They're making big moves and doing big things down there. Um, go ahead and get loaded up for the fall on dugoutfishing.com. And um, if you need a boat, now's a good time to do it. Reach out to me. We got some end of year things going on. Uh, put you in touch with Mr. Koza himself, and he will get you in a brand new piece of plastic. Yeah, I think Drew said, "Forget y'all and left." I see, I see his room, but I don't see him. I'm gonna wait for him to get back in before I bring him in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, oh Drew KFL, continues. KFL. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. KFL. That's something else we're gonna talk about. Congrats to the Pelicans. They uh, they advanced to the championship on Chickamauga against the – is it the defending champs, the Maulers? Did they win it last year? I don't know. I think somebody said that. Uh, but anyway, uh, our boy Marshall, obviously, uh, Uncle Joe, uh, Coley McGowan, I'm going to forget people. I'm, I'm sorry. Daniel Perry, who apparently smashed them uh, in their tournament this past weekend. Yeah. And damn, other people I that I, I can't – Think of right I don't now. know if Jordan Marshall will get the start in the championship, and he also was cut from the bearded men of KFL calendar, which is an outrage. I can't believe that happened. If you don't start Jordan Marshall on Chickamauga, then you might as well just go ahead and close the doors on the whole team. Yeah. Like yeah. that, he's Jordan is magic about anywhere he goes. On Chickamauga, I have never ever seen a person bump into more twenty-three inch plus fish. It's like it's yeah. everywhere he goes. So. I ain't telling you how to run your little fantasy league, but start Marshall. What do you think about him being left off the calendar? That was outrageous as too, wasn't it? I don't I don't know what's happening to my boy. I will tell you, after <laughs> after spending the night with him in an art gallery uh, this <laughs> past weekend, so Travis Dawkins stayed with us, and he's a deer hunter, and he talked about deer hunting, and he was watching all these videos. I lay down. It's about midnight, and I hear like, and I'm like, damn, Travis watching a deer movie at midnight? I get up and stick my head out. That was Jordan Marshall snoring. He snores like a deer bleats. It's the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. I was impressed. It was awesome. Should have recorded it. You could use that this year in the fall. <laughs> Steve said Kusa Kingfish. We know, Steve. We know. In we these know. parts, it's the Pelicans. It's, the, it's been the Pelicans. It's going to be the Pelicans. We got Pelican jerseys. We're getting tattoos. We support the Pelicans. Yeah. It's Jordan Marshall and uh, Zion Williamson. Williamson. We're fans of both Pelicans. Uh, all right. Let's get Drew in here. <laughs> all right. There here he is. Go. Here we go. What's up, Drew? We had, we had to finish up our nonsense before we got you in here, buddy. How you doing, man? It's all good, man. It's all good. Can't wait to go back and uh, listen to the nonsense. I just we save we save plenty of nonsense. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No, so, nice. Nice. You had to you mercy. had to get that new trophy squeezed in there. Is that what you've been up to? Yeah, man. Had to, had to put it in here. Got a little spot for it. So <laughs> running out of room here on the set, but it's a good you problem. To move your have, living room in there and put that I stuff know. in the living room or something. I don't know. Yeah. Seriously. So did you just pull into the house? Literally? Just pulled in. Literally. I. I Still just in a daze from in a fog from everything. So yep. Perfect timing. You guys are right on on the money here. 
Oh, we yeah. Can, we can run our mouths for a little bit if we need to kill some time. So we were, we were yeah. holding out. Yeah, I hugged my wife, and I got to see their the nice chalk drawing on the driveway that my son and her and, and you know, little baby girl, she's like 11 months old. But anyway, she was sitting out there. They were all helping, and, and they all did. It was pretty cool. So <laughs> definitely uh, a good feeling when you come home and see the love from the fam. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah man. So how yeah. was it? How Did it play out like you thought it was going to? I know – I know you kind of called your shot beforehand, like, I'm going to win this thing. Uh, clearly, that, that worked out <laughs> as you predicted. I don't, I don't remember predicting that. I, I was, <laughs> I don't, where did I predict I mean, that? I talked to a fellow podcast host, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, Drew's pretty much like, yeah, I think I'm pretty much going to lock up AOI down at Pickwick if you need me to swing by the studio on the way home. <laughs> Oh yeah, I told I told uh, Duncan. I said, "Hey man, yeah. I'll be in your area if if for some reason I said when AOI or not. I said when AOI or not. I can show you the text. I said when it or not. I'm in your area, and we he's been at, talking to me for a while and said, hey, I'd love to have you on the show. We, Matt Airy connected us, and for like two years he's been talking about having me on the show. So I said, hey man, I'm in your neck of the woods. You know, I have a chance to win AOI. I'm in the driver's seat. I'm not going to count chickens before they hatch, but w- win it or not." I'm there if you want to, you know, I'll swing by on Monday if you want to have me on. So yeah, obviously yeah. he's busy and uh, didn't work out, but no, I definitely was not predicting that to win or win the OI, but I was hoping I, I te- it would happen. I'll tell you this. I visited with Drew at the captain's meeting. We, we ran into each other there after yeah. check-in and we visited for a while and he, and he did not exude confidence at the captain's meeting. He was very, uh, yeah. very humble. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just hope I got to win by this many places. And Justin Largan's got yeah. the math meter figured out and i don't know and i mean he was pretty nervous about it so i, I will no, i was i was because you know you guys know my style i don't i don't have i never have large schools of fish uh and i don't whale on anything and pre-fishing i just kind of i just kind of know what i'm looking for and I, if it looks right and usually obviously like usually i tend to be right just from the experience you know i've had doing this so long and um it's like anybody with any job or uh, anybody that does stock market you know they do it for so long and they start to learn the tendencies and the trends and they're good at it because they've done it for a long time they didn't start out that way so i just don't really wail on them so i'm always nervous i mean jeff you're right i was legitimately nervous because i'm always nervous before every tournament because i don't know what i have until day one and i always have like i know you've mentioned uh, this before when you've listened to some of my podcasts i always have an exit strategy so if the first half of the day it's not going like I thought it was going to go. I can salvage day one. And then I've learned, you know, my backup area hopefully works out. And then a backup to the backup area. As long as I can figure something out to salvage day one, now I've got, you know, I'm moving into good stuff, hopefully come like day two. But it worked out great for me on day one on this one. I, I was shocked. So we can get into that or whatever, however you guys want to take this. Were you able to fish the same area both days? Did you find, did you find enough water to fish for two days in the same location? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So I did, I fished this, you know, kind of focused on the same, you know, about two, three mile section, uh, on, on day two, because I mean, after you get a limit like that, you you kind of have to, right. I mean, on, in Santee Cooper on Hobie on day two, I got burned because I did not go to the, place i uh did pretty good on day one on santi cooper hobie i was 22nd i think we had a full field there right 200 so i was like a good you know in a good spot 22nd but i only had like maybe seven bites six or seven bites on day one so i said you know i'm not gonna go back there because i might only get four or five bites or three bites you know i might not get you know enough to have a limit so i gambled and then i only caught what two or three fish uh, exploring somewhere else 
And uh, I, dry, I fell way down in the standings, down to 50-something place. So I said, you know what? I got to go back to where it worked on day one here because I feel like there's at least a limit of fish. If I can at least get a limit again after that, you know, day one, then I think I could lock up AOI. You know what I mean? So especially because the guys who were really close, um, you know, they just didn't they didn't do as good as they probably had wished they, they would have. And, and they could, you know, they usually do. Uh, like Mark Edwards, he caught three fish and he was on big ones. And on day two, he had the, you know, the highest limit, right? He had like 89 inches. Um, you know, you had Eric Siddiqui was up there. Justin Largent didn't do as well as he had hoped. And then Garrett Morgan, same thing, not, not quite as his usual. So those were the ones who really had a chance. So that's why I made the decision, um, Ryan, to go back to that same place. And then I had a backup spot to go to if for some reason I couldn't get a limit there. Um, and or if I got a limit and I thought, you know what, now that I feel like I have the AOI locked up, let me go try to win this tournament, you know, in this other place if I needed to. But I never I never went there. I just didn't have enough time. So and I just hoped it was enough The 81 inches I had on day two to, to go along with that big bag on day one. So let's uh, stand out pretty good. I mean, the, yeah, the tournament did. got really tough. That cold front came in and yep. I think that slowed a lot of people down. Let, let's talk about your day one uh, and what you found it there, because this was one of the most shocking things I saw was that giant spotted bass. Yeah. Where, did the, where in yeah. the world? I caught some spots, but they were, I was like stepping on them to get them over 12 inches. So you had a yeah, whole bag of spots, right? Yeah, I did. Most of your limit spot. Yeah. That's what it was. So I have a theory about if anyone's listened to stuff I've said in the past, they may have heard me say this, but I feel like large uh, female, you know, bass, or once they get to a certain size, male bass too, but you know, more females, they all live like redfish, like how redfish become, lives in the marsh and it's juvenile stages. And then at some point it becomes a bull red and it goes and lives offshore and they all stick together for the rest of their lives. I feel like once a bass gets a certain size, they change the way they live and they, not that they hang together like bull reds. I mean, sometimes they do, but they just, they do things totally different from these smaller bass. You know what I mean? And for whatever reason, I just found this group of them. And I think they were chasing shad up a creek because I saw some gizzard shad. And I think they were just following them like a fall migration, you know, shad. And they were in this zone, that I, this section I was fishing. And uh, the reason I say they live like a, 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 you know, adult redfish and they're just separate is because some crazy reason, you know, I caught a good number of fish on day two in the same section I never saw it's clear water too. I never saw one of those big uh, Alabama spotted bass. I never hooked one. I mean, just not a sniff. And I had lost another pretty good one on day one, uh, like a 19. And I caught some that didn't coal that were like 17 range. So they're all like pretty good ones. <laughs> but where did they go on day two? I mean, I, I don't I don't even know. Like after that many bites, you would think they would be there because they they moved. I think with the shad wherever the shad went, I think they. They just followed them and all the other fish, the males that I was catching on day two, I think were, were don't live the life the same way. They're still in the marsh, like the juvenile redfish doing their thing. And these adults are like, I live on a different diet. You know what I'm saying? And they just do stuff, stuff totally different. And that's the mystery. That's what makes it so much fun to try to figure these things out. Cause they're different, man. They're a different animal. Yeah, for sure. The, uh, Tell, well, tell us about day one in general. What did you think? You said you were nervous. You weren't sure what exactly you had. Um, you know, what, what did you find and why did you decide to go back there on day one? 
Well, I caught a 17-ish range and like an 18, 18 and a quarter in pre-fishing. And then I said, that's it. And so I just kind of, yeah, I think the, the last day I pre-fished, I just paddled through the whole section and expanded a little bit further and just, just looked, just looked and tried to see if I can see anything in the water, see shad and just use my eyes and just kind of see what else I can expand on and where I can go during the tournament day. So it was actually a cool pre-fishing because I found I was very blessed and fortunate to find and catch those fish on the first day pre-fishing two good ones. So I said, I'm kind of locked into this because I feel like that's going to be a consistent bite to get a limit two days. And if I got a limit two days, unless it was a just squeaker limit, you know, that was going to be probably good for AOI. So I was kind of hedging a little bit, you know, by, by knowing that the Alabama spotted bass don't have an overall max size that, you know, you see in the main lake with your large mouth and even your small mouth in that fishery. Right. So I was kind of hedging a little bit thinking, you know, I never thought about winning with those fish. I just thought this is going to be smart. So anyway, I looked and basically, yeah, Jeff, I just, I just scouted and I said, this is where I'm going to live and we'll see what happens because it just looks right. And there was some more stuff that looked right. And I was excited to cast to it on tournament day and uh, some of it panned out and a lot of it didn't, but you know, clearly it was, it was enough. Uh, a couple questions here. This one's from your fellow competitor, Christine Fisher. She said, how far do you yeah. think shad migrate up creeks? Does it vary or will they push up literally as far as they can go? That's a good question. It, it may depend on water flow. Um, but it also could depend on, you know, shad, I'm not an expert on exactly all the stuff they eat. Um, actually, Matthew Scotts knew a lot about that. One, one day I was talking to him and I was super impressed with his knowledge about it. I know they push up creeks, but in the, I don't know why, like in the spring, they're doing like a migratory run for, for spawning. So in the fall, you know, what are they going up there for? And if it's food and whatever they eat, then they're just going to keep going. It's, you know, as far as they can, because they can get into shallower and skinny water than you know, obviously even a bass prefers to be in, right? So they're just going to keep moving. But at some point, the water's going to get too cold for them to want to be there too, and they're going to book it back out. So I I don't know, man. You guys have any thoughts on that? Christine, maybe you comment. I mean, I think they go way up creeks as long as there's enough good water flow and it's still warm enough. So, Yeah, I just wonder if sometimes, just like the bass themselves, if some of those schools of shatter resident, they just they live way up creeks all the time. You know what I mean? In some deep so. holes or whatever. I think some might, yeah. And big in rivers, for sure. I think you just have resident shad, you know, in the rivers, for sure. I mean, the lakes, you see it all the time, you know, where they'll go from on the ledges and then they'll push up in secondary pockets and then eventually move to the backs of creeks and kind of get get pinned up around whatever remaining grass there is, kind of as the frog bite starts to kick off in the fall once it gets cool. So I definitely yeah. think they do move. I don't know how far they move. You know, I don't know what would kick on in a shad's little brain if it's like a salmon it's like all right well let me get out of here you know lake's not lake's not right. fun anymore yeah i'm seeing i'm seeing Corey in the comments talking about he caught a bunch of his at the dam the second day one of the interesting things about pickwick and, it, and i've far from figured it out it's only my second time there but it's uh you can kind of catch them a lot of ways i mean there were people catching them literally from the dam all the way down to the other dam and then up some creeks and all over the place so it's uh you know kind it's of a wild. dealer's choice on what you what you can go target yeah it's a wild place man you know i've seen too um chris here saying he, he keeps saying c and then i had no graph question mark yeah i didn't have a, a graph for this one um you know water's warm fish are still 
lots of fish are still shallow and you could fish them the main lake shallow you know pockets coves creeks whatever there's still you know the grass is all over that lake you can still do fine shallow and, and typically i don't really bring a graph when it's it's a shallow water derb kind of like john cox doesn't really put a graph on the front of his is a you know crest liner because that's it's not his game when it's a certain times a year you know so it's not you know not mine either it's not where i choose to go obviously I, i've got the stuff but if i can get away with not using it then i do um and then luke's got a good question sorry jeff if you want to go somewhere else but i do want to address no, this no. question those are invasive alabama bass um yes and no because the tom bigby waterway from yellow creek connects the mobile basin which is where they're native alabama bass are native there Acusa, spotted bass whatever you want to call them so they're they are invasive in the fact that they're not native to the tennessee river system but they're not invasive in the sense that people didn't uh, dump them in from live wells and bass boats and just bucket brigade them. You know what I mean? They just came up the lock and dam from Bay Springs and all that water just made their way naturally up there because man connected those waterways, which is so weird that that's like you can get to the Mobile Basin, the Alabama River, through there, and then you go the other way, you can go all the way to the Mississippi, you know, into the Ohio from the Tennessee, into the Mississippi, and come down to New Orleans. Why can't we get an invasive? Kusa bass everywhere instead of carp. Yeah, or or, or instead of <laughs> or Kentuckys, I would trade or the Kentuckys. Kentuckys. That's what I was going to say. Alabama bass all day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, trade the that's the problem. Blue. Yeah, people don't yeah. know the difference, and they move the wrong ones. They don't know there is a difference because well, we still. Corey's talking about catching bass. spots up at the dam. You you're most yeah. likely catching Kentuckys up at the dam. The the spots don't the Unless Alabama get, spots don't really yeah. care for it too much. Well, they, if you caught a big one up there, then it was a Alabama spot. If you catch some small ones, then who knows? God, but I caught a ton of 13, a 12, 11, 10, 9. <laughs> a lot yeah. of baby, baby See, spotted bass. <laughs> I want to say Mark Edwards may have caught a good one up there. I can't remember. It may not have been. It might have been a largemouth, but someone caught a big Alabama up there. But I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right, though. A lot of them might be Kentucky's in that lake too. So they're mixed. There's kind of like, unfortunately that the Kentuckys are native to that Tennessee river system and the Ohio river and all that. So. And Kentucky. They love this. Favorite place to be. Yeah. They're angry, angry little suckers. They love current just like the the smallies do almost. Um, Yeah. yeah, We'll, we'll we'll keep watching your questions in the comments there. Keep, keep them coming as always help us out and share this, share it to your local group, share it to your personal page, whatever. It doesn't cost you a thing, but it helps us a lot. We appreciate that. Um, So day two, man, Ryan and I talked about it already. It got, it got cold Saturday night and it was, it seemed like they turned off the current on Sunday morning. Water was still, it was cold, cold air, no wind. Um, and obviously even it affected, it affected you, your fish up yeah. in the Creek as well. I mean, I know what it did to my fish on the main lake. Um, what it do to your, to your fish up there on day two. Yeah. I mean, it just, it was the weirdest bite. They all were consistent. I couldn't find, uh, one bait to lock in my hand. You know, you always want to just be like, okay, this is the deal. You know, you want to figure that out in the morning and, and lock it in just one or two different techniques. And I couldn't figure it out. Uh, cause, cause I was thinking, do you throw the exact same thing you, you threw the day before, you know, when you're kind of in a little tighter quarters, do you, do you try that strategy or do you just go totally new? You know what I'm saying? Show them something different. So I tried a little bit of both and, uh, you know, I couldn't figure it out. They were hitting, when I say they're hitting weird, at one point I got on a spinnerbait bite, but 
they would hit it and they would be running right at me. Every one of them would hit it and run right at me. And I could hardly keep up with them and hardly set a hook in them. A lot of them would just come right off. And I was like, this is so frustrating. And, um, but yeah, they were, but I caught some on it, you know, hooked some. I think my biggest one came on a sling blade spinnerbait from Z-Man, 17 inches. Um, and then I caught some on the cross size power finesse jig. That was, that was one thing I could have locked in a little bit better, I think. Whenever I'd pick up the jig or one would miss it and I would throw the jig back in, they would eat it. And I kept saying, man, I should have just stuck with this all day long because maybe they were just kind of down in some deeper holes. But the day before they were so shallow, you know, like those big ones I was catching were coming out of a foot of water. Most of them, you know, a foot or two of water at the most. But some, the biggest one I caught was in like 10 inches of water and it came waking out after the bait. You know, I saw it. So um, they just weren't there on day two and that same they weren't set up the same at all they were totally uh different so it was just a challenge to to you know figure them out but i caught maybe a couple in a chatterbait i caught some on a goat toads um it was a random random bite the reason i picked up the goat toads uh one of my fish on day one of my stringer came from that that bait was because there was a lot of leaves you know the wind was blowing a lot of leaves were kind of falling in the trees and it was really a lot easier because a, a, a plopper style bait or even, a, you know, whatever, some other baits like spinner baits or sometimes they'll pick up the, the leaves, you know, pretty bad. Uh, goat toes are pretty nice. I could just kind of swim it through all that stuff. And and I killed it uh, just because I was kind of done with the cast. It was near the boat and I just kind of had to itch or something or pick up the paddle. And I killed it. And as I killed it, that goat toad sank because I had it on a weighted uh, hook. I kind of have like a, a, a Berkeley Fusion double uh, frog hook and I made the goat toads work with that and um, it's it's a weighted version and uh, so I, I killed it and when it sank it just kind of sank down those those tails those legs for that uh, goat toads just were twitching there and all of a sudden that she just comes up out of the the depths and just goes whoop, right right next to the boat and just went down with it and I was like oh my lord and I filmed it all I'll, I'll post some of this stuff you know and whenever I get a chance so it was pretty cool and I couldn't believe it and just cranked down on her and just let her have it and you know, with two giant hooks in them, you know, she just boat flipped right in. It was really cool. And I was like, I can't believe that just happened. So let me ask you about this picture here. Number one, I like the catch carbonate so much better than the metal catch boards. I can't even tell you for just being able to see the lines. Yeah. I do but, too. uh, how cool is this, uh, design of the Sholey bent for you? Is that mm. hold that board really still having that recess it deal does, for, your, for your board? It's awesome. I never have to worry about, you know, pulling the catchboard out from anywhere. I just keep it there. I mean, it's, I mean, it's truly working just as I designed it, man. It's, I mean, I, I, I can't even tell you how blessed I feel and, and, you know, being able to design the boat that you fish out of and then have it work and perform, you know, the way you dreamt it to is amazing. Uh, but having that catchboard recess, like you said, is just, it's awesome. I never think about it. It stays there. It never leaves there. I mean, it's in my truck now, still sitting there when I rode all the way, back it'll stay there forever and then i'll i'll drive to the next tournament and it just never leaves um is there so an attachment or anything cool. or is it just it just slides down into the recess it just slides down just sits there it's just stays there and then the you know all the other little features on it were just super helpful in this tournament i mean you know for the most part i mean you can only do like so much with a boat i mean there's definitely boats that'll give you little advantages here and there like an aluminum boat in the bass boat world gives you a little bit of advantage to get to some places i mean you saw what keith poche did right you can do some different things it's not like gonna work all the time and give you a big difference but the biggest difference is up here and what we know as anglers right to find the fish because you guys all know i could have you know we could have floated down on a pelican and probably caught them just as good but 
I will say that having all those little features, they all kind of collectively add up to just comfort and they make a little bit of difference, you know, just a little bit of difference, which at our level, the sport it's, it matters. You know, it's, it's like the highest level of any sport it's inches. It's just tenths of seconds that matter. So when you have something that, uh, it helps you get just a little slight, you know, it's a light boat. It's easy to get in and out of places. I move a lot. Pat, it drafts in three inches of water, uh, super flat bottom on the hole. So it never catches rocks in the river. And I just kind of slide over stuff when I need to get moving. And, and so I don't know all those little things, you know, it saves you whatever, however many casts on a day you get extra then could equate to one more coal. So there you it's go. Been nice. Hey, Southern fish and hunt on YouTube said, I wish you had his own podcast. It blows my mind with his knowledge. You do have your own podcast, don't you? Yeah. Sort of? I don't really, I don't do as many <laughs> as I should these days. I, I tell you this Southern fish and hunt, uh, in the fall, like once the tournament season is over, the championships and stuff, the winter is when we go a little bit crank up harder on that podcast. So that's when I go harder. Uh, we were going to do more during the year, but some stuff got in the way. Mainly, I was blessed to win you know, several of these tournaments, and I started going on a lot of other podcasts. And I was just telling a lot of the stuff I would talk about, and I was kind of getting uh, podcasted out. So <laughs> I couldn't do as many of my own because I was busy with other ones. So it's... It's a good problem, but we'll get back to it. And as a matter of fact, I've been getting hit up about this for a while. Um, and Ryan, you may want to chime in on some something that's similar about this if, you, if you're allowed to. But uh, I am going to be doing virtual lessons uh, for folks where it'd be like five people at a time. You know, you guys can sign up and I'll, I'll do some different ones. Maybe some will be, you know, river focused. Some might be tournament logistics focused. And, you know, Christine's on here. I mentioned her and and a lot of what you guys do. And there's so many different ways to make a living in this, in this industry. You know, what Christine does is amazing. She is so good as an angler. Like, first of all, you gotta be that right. And then, and then to go and edit and make all the videos she does and gives away some serious juice, you know, like it's, it's stuff that I cringe sometimes hearing people talk about on those videos. Cause I, I, you know, it's like, Oh man, like giving away some good stuff, but she in turn parlays that into, you know, Hey, I'm growing my following and she can go to her sponsors, say, look, you know, look at the following I'm building. And that helps her, you know, make a living in this. I you know, I don't have the time, you know, that's not the, the way I, I do it. I don't, you know, I work for Crescent and have other hats. I'm wearing other things, right? I would rather just say, Hey guys, you know, I'm not going to give away all the juice on my podcast, but I'm going to definitely, you know, share a lot of stuff and help people out. But there's a ton that I hold back. I mean, a ton. And that's where I'm going to, you know, have people that want to have like a little coaching lesson get on virtually this, this winter. And, uh, actually may I be, maybe I'm breaking some news here. Uh, we're scheduling a seminar cause I'm going to be in Atlanta for Christmas break. So I'll be scheduling a seminar with Jeff little. He's agreed to come. Uh, and we'll be at, I think Westbrook supply company in Atlanta doing a seminar and, It'd be uh, a pretty cool thing where he and I are going to talk about river bass, and we may have Dr. Steve Salmons on there too, and he might talk about uh, or there too about shoal bass. You guys can all come to that if you want. Hey, uh, is, is Jeff ever going to get back into tournament fishing? He did pretty good for a while tournament fishing. So he just done no. that. It's yeah, it's not that he's like doesn't like it or anything. He, he's just busy doing his own thing, and he just enjoys what he's doing, and that's that's just where his focus is. And he would be amazing. I mean, he yeah. always finished well. He's really good, and you know, go watch his stuff. Cause he, he's another guy. I'm like, always just like, stop saying so much for free, man, <laughs> but <laughs> Super it's not knowledgeable free. river he guy, gets, small mouth behavior. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's uh, wealth unreal, man. And it's, it's not free to him. It's, it's building his following and growing 
you know, and then he t- can turn around and kind of parlay that and some other cool opportunities, especially like for Torquedo and other folks that are part of his, uh, his team there. Yeah. I know we wanted to get into uh, some stuff about the future of bass. I don't know if you, you kind of got on late with us, but Ryan, and I had a chance to sit with the bass folks Friday night and talk about some of their future plans and rules and things yeah, like buddy. that. They may have asked you as well. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But before we do that, we've been, we started kind of in our Angler of the Year series of interviews last week with some local AOIs. So it's only natural that we have the Bass AOI right now. So let's touch on your, your AOI victory, which I know I don't think they've officially, have they officially announced that yet? I mean, it's, it's, it's not basically a, I mean, official. It's official, but it's, it's not mathematically it's official. unofficial. It's a whole <laughs> yeah. separate organization or group that apparently does, they have to tap, put all the information in the standings and then it kicks it out. And then they got to look at the spreadsheet and see what we already know. Be like, okay, Drew's first. <laughs> all right. Because I mean, you know, I, I, I hadn't had four, I only fished four of the five and they were counting, you know, your best four. So I kind of, um, you know, I won the last three in a row, so it was kind of, you know, I was seventh <laughs> the Harris chain, so it was kind of like a no-brainer. I don't know, but I don't think that maybe a, a trophy wasn't ready or something. I don't know, but <laughs> but but hey, if you think about it though, they lost their director John Stewart uh, in the middle of the year. They lost him, so no one was there to kind of like put all this together, and it's it's all good, you know. And, and I think they're gonna maybe do some sort of presentation or something for me at some other time. Uh, we'll yeah, talk yeah, about that now, but that'll be, they're going to do it. We're doing it right here. We're doing yeah, it. Surprise. <laughs> surprise. This is it. Here's half a bottle of Western sun. Strawberry. It is. You, you are go. the AOI. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. um, Thanks guys. Breaking yeah, news. T- <laughs> yeah, tell us. I mean, we, t- I think we asked Jordan Marshall this when he won the, the BOS AOI last year. What does it mean? I mean, as far as like winning a tournament versus winning the AOI, how much weight does that hold for you? I mean, is it is it equal? Is it yeah. more? Uh, what does that mean to you to win that angle? I mean, it's year? I think it's it's more for me just because I think as all the the anglers who, you know, are into this like hardcore and super competitive, and we just want we respect and I think want the AOI more than anything, even more than wins because I just I think it just shows like consistency a little bit better, obviously. So. That was, of course, a goal. I never dreamt this would happen, man. I mean, to be, you know, first the first Hobie AOI and then now the first Bassmaster AOI. Dude, I'm like so humbled and just floored. And I can't, you know, words can't describe, like, I don't even know how to feel about it. It's just because I also am older now and I understand a little bit of, you know, like you guys one day, you know, you guys and anybody else who's kind of pioneering this sport now because we're still in the infancy. We're going to roll over in our graves one day when someone's winning 500000 or $100,000 kayak tournaments. And we're like, where was that when we were younger? And, well, you know, getting paid that to host stuff. them now. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did hear that part. Oh, boy. But anyway, it's to me, it's like, I don't know how to feel about it, but I do. I think it's really cool, man, because I think, uh, forget all the, I don't know, money, whatever. Forget that, man. I think legacy starts to become a little bit more important when you get older and you kind of see, you, you can kind of see what on the bass side, you know, your, your race gods and the bill dances and Roland Martin and Houston and all the guys that really kind of grew that at the beginning. And, you know, that's kind of the generation that we are, we're all a part of now, what you, what you guys are doing and helping grow things and, and everybody else. And Chad, who, you know, with kayak bass fishing kind of started the tournament scene of all this. I mean, we're all, I mean, Terry Manley, AJ, AJ, Terry Manley, baby. Yeah. Sorry. I can't, you know, got to, let me adjust my butt. I'm going to miss some names. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, AJ, what Hobie has done and, uh, you know, Christine and man, there's just so many, so many people that when we look back on this, you know, we're all old and gray and still doing this. It's going to be cool to kind of 
be like, man, that's so cool that I ended up being the first of each of those. That that's yeah, gonna exactly. it just blows my mind, dude. It blows. Ryan and I's next up. We're gonna create the kayak fishing hall of fame and uh, charge, hey, admission, charge admission right. to that. So we'll see there the first go, person. Man. Hey, speaking of which, do you ever think single wide trailer? Yeah. <laughs> do you think the the bass fishing hall of fame just had their inductees? Do you ever think we'll see anybody in the kayak world be a part of that in the overall bass fishing hall of fame? If we can, if we can cross this over and make it stick yeah, yeah i think we will but something's Remember, got like somebody's got yeah. to stay consistent tournament scene wise <laughs> for it to get to that point if everything is wishy-washy yeah. and gone in you know five or six years then i don't think it's i don't you know how do you pick if, yeah. if there's not a legacy a longevity type deal you know i think hey. that's what everybody needs to kind of pay attention to right now R rumor has it ryan that that photo of uh, brad case's belly button is first ballot hall of fame <laughs> <laughs> I just see, I haven't seen that. I don't know if I want to see that, but uh, <laughs> hey, by the way, Omar's in the comments. Omar, shout out to Omar. Uh, Omar damns you there. He actually is the one who set up this whole seminar series because he's one of the guys I've virtually coached before. And man, he's uh, he's loving it so much. And he's like, man, I, I need to, I need to, you to have one of these things in person while you're down there, you know. And uh, so, you know, Omar is a sponge. He is, he is thirsty for knowledge. He came to <laughs> seminar Steve-O and I yeah. did at like the North Georgia Trade Center or something. Uh, uh, when Jamie had a booth there, like Omar, love Omar. He jumped in with both feet. Uh, we actually yeah. just talked uh, on the way back from the Okmulgee event about uh, picking up a couple extra kayaks. So yeah, Omar's the yeah, uh, Omar's awesome. win recent winner of the Revos. Omar. Oh yeah. Not, not, oh yeah. Not too nice. many weeks ago. So good stuff with Omar. Very um, nice. Yeah, awesome stuff, man. I know that AOI is huge. Whether you win it on a local yeah. level, state level, national level, that's just a big accomplishment. So, congrats on it is, man. And hey, you know, maybe maybe this Ryan to talk about this Hall of Fame and kayak fishing. Maybe we can start to cross over, like you said. Part of this big crossover is why I'm kind of like, you know, LD said he wanted to have me on the show, and I guess I like text him every once in a while, just checking in. Like, hey, man, when do you want to? So if we can get more, you know, you've been on some stuff, Christine, I know some others, if we can get more kayak guys on these national shows to kind of show off, you know, a little bit of what we have to offer and, and some of our intelligence to, you know, catching these fish. I think we'll continue to gain a little bit of respect, you know, uh, Bailey was on Ike live the other day. So that's, that's huge. And that's what I'm kind of like trying to help. I know you, you guys are, are big on that too. Cause if we all, anybody cracks the door open, that's good for all of us. It didn't matter to me who it is. I don't care if it's, if it's you, Jeff, Bailey, Christine, whoever, Guillermo, just whatever. Let's just get on that stuff. Start cracking that door open a little see, bit. See, see, we're the opposite. We're bringing them over here. That's what we yeah. do. We bring them over here on our side. <laughs> force right. them. We force feed them kayak yeah. fishing. We bring them You're going to like it. Yeah. Uh, so my next question. So obviously this year was a little tougher for bass. We saw lower average numbers. We talked about the dinner that we got to have Friday, direct <coughs> feedback from the anglers fishing this stuff. In your eyes, how does bass grow? How do they bounce back? Mm -hmm. But also from a, a broader scope, how do we legitimize kayak fishing and really hone it in and take out some of this gray area stuff? Like where do you see areas that we can improve to to kind of strengthen our, our sport as not such a, you know, wishy-washy, well, you could be doing this, you could be doing that. Like, how do we hone this in? You know, if you had to pick three things that, that you see the sport lacking that we can improve on, what, what would those be? 
Yeah, I mean, well, Bass is going to make a nice comeback. You know, obviously we got new director coming on board and uh, from the kayak world. Not sure if you guys talked about that or not, or even can. Not public knowledge yet. Anyway, <laughs> not, it's yet. Not, not yet, but that's going to be a huge step from the kayak world. So they've done that. And, and I've talked with them a little bit, you know, cause they know, uh, you know, I ran a, a tournament trail for a while and then I, you know, got a history and, um, a master's degree in sports management and it did, did tournaments, uh, leagues at the college level. So, you know, talk with them a little bit about, you know, some, some things, some formats some structure, some things like that, that could be helpful. And who knows if, uh, like you guys did, you gave them the feedback and you guys always have really good, good feedback and stuff. So I think they're going to listen to some of that stuff, but I mean, we just need to, you know, one, I think it, it sounds silly, but I think it's super important. Again, it's all about crossing over to connecting with that mainstream world a, a little bit. Uh, because even Chris Bose was saying that he doesn't understand what he doesn't know what 85 inches means or 93 or whatever. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I got with Dwayne to put that estimated weight on attorney X, but then for some reason it ended up uh, where you got to hover over it to see it. Well, nobody knows that feature is there. You hover over the, the length and the weight is there, you know, but know the regular, myself. the regular, yeah, the regular bass boat world doesn't know to do that. So it needs to go back and, and, Chris Bowes did uh, agree and likes the idea. And Dwayne said it was totally doable and it just to make it a column where it's on the leaderboard, the standings and it says right there, you can't miss it. You know, if you pull let's, the standings, let's put it, this up here and see what your bag weighed. Drew. Yeah. It weighed about almost 20 because 19.25 according to the calculator yeah. on Tourney X. So, and, and just another little side note on that. When you see the, the plus number, I just, do I have any pluses? I have plus one, yeah. but um, if you, if you call like, so, um, this is like, so if I, let's say if I had like plus whatever, three or four, or even if I okay. just uploaded my five fish, but if I caught a bunch of fish during the day that were anywhere from a, an inch to, you know, obviously quarter of an inch or the same length as the one that's my smallest fish. When you see a lot of coals, whatever that weight says, that estimated weight, you have to be smart enough to add potentially a half pound or a pound more because in a weight tournament when you're catching that many fish of similar size or even an inch you don't care if the inch uh, the fish is an inch shorter if your 14 inch fish weighs more than your 15 you're keeping that in a bass fishing tournament so how many 14 inch fish did somebody catch in this tournament or any tournament and they had a 15 as their smallest how many of those between 14 and 15 weighed more than that 15 that they kept does that make sense so it sort of gets you close in the ballpark but if you see a lot of coals, it's actually a little bit more, if that makes sense. So keep that in mind. But it gets us there. At least the mainstream world can see, you know, I think I called out a 17 and three quarters. So my smallest was 18. So could the 17 and three quarters weigh a little bit more? I mean, could I have maybe have had 20? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Could, the, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot discussed Friday night at that <laughs> meeting about how to, what they can do yeah. to improve, what can they do, can do to tweak different rules and different things. Christine threw one in the in the in the comments here. Let me put it up. She said, "I think designated launches was the best thing talked about Friday night in terms of taking questions out." I'm all on board with that. I like the idea of that just because leveling the playing field for the entire as much as you can, whether it's time on the water, information sharing, launch points, whatever, all the things you can do to make it a level playing field. I like I like that. What do y'all think about that? I mean, I think there's a, a skill set in. I mean, it's there. There are designated launches. Any public 
access is a designated launch. We all have the data to see that. The same way that you have a bass boat angler has the data, a map, uh, you know, your your map chips, you know, whatever one you, you choose to use on your to find all the offshore secret special spots. You know what I'm saying? So it's the same thing in kayak fishing. That's that's the way. That is how we kayak fish. We go around and and put in any public like on the weekend. If you're going and fishing a public body of water, and you would like to get somewhere, that you know, you need to you need to find all the public access as possible because it's like the lake isn't all in bounds. Like the, the entire lake is really not in bounds for kayak anglers. When there's only certain access points, like on Cayuga Lake, if there's six accesses, I don't care how there's forty thousand acres. Trust me, all forty thousand acres is not in play because we can only launch from these six public access points. So. Uh, it spreads people out more, which is nice. It helps us actually access the entire lake instead of just be, you know, kayak fishing was made to be, it was made to go more places <laughs> than bass boats, where bass boats can go, but actually further and more. So you're taking that, the whole reason we are in a kayak, what makes it a kayak and what makes us a differentiator from the bass boat world. And you're, whoop, you're limiting it back to the same funnel on the same water that the bass boat world is hitting. And, and, and you're also limiting the amount of fish. Their overall links and weights will go down. People will catch less fish because they'll, they'll be on top of each other more. They'll have less of a good time because of that, not be as happy. Our weights will look worse. And the fish is the star of the show. If you can do anything to help anglers catch more and bigger fish, everybody wins. Anglers are happy. Sponsors are happy because showed off, you know, tourism's happy. Sponsors are happy because the tournament went off well. The uh, tournament trail is happy. Everyone wins. So if you always keep that in mind when you think about any rules, that the bass is the star of the show. And if we can help anglers catch more and bigger bass in any way, that's going to win for everybody. But I think yeah, yeah. a part of the big question that's coming into play here is legitimacy being the star of the show. To pull in more numbers so people feel better about these tournaments, that there's not you know, potential shady things going on. I know I've heard that from several bass boat anglers of why they won't come over and fish kayaks because you really, you know, there's no set guidelines on anything. It's kind of just wild West. Like you can get information. You can have a, a guy in a bass boat on the lake, you know, during the tournament, tell you where fish are. As long as you didn't solicit information, that doesn't break a rule that we have. Like when you have just kind of the right. wild west of, of no launches, you have a lot more gray area question. You know, did somebody portage into a beaver pond? Did somebody dig a trench into something? Like there's a thousand different things like, and there's no real check on it when, when you're not even, it's in sometimes, you know, you're not even fishing near the lake that the tournament's on. Like, <laughs> I think that's probably well, that's actually not one of the big true. issues. That's actually not true because your your pinky toe is is Ryan Lambert. It's part of Ryan Lambert. It's part of you. And every single free-flowing river and creek that goes into a fishery, it's called Lake Pickwick. But Bass doesn't say you can't go up a certain length into any of those with your bass boat. You can go as far as you want. If it floods, they can go as far as they want. It's it's but you all launched part on of, Lake But you all, launched on Lake Pickwick, right? Right. Yeah, but it right. but it's all it's all part of that watershed. You see what I'm saying? The fish, the fish, the shad that we talked about earlier, the bass, every species because it's not dammed by man, it's all connected. So your pinky toes is you. It's part of you. It's still called you still it's not your core, it's not here in the abdomen, but it's part of you. Every single 
creek and, and river flowing into a lake, just like the bass boats, they can go as far as they want in that watershed, the same as the bass can to go find them. The goal is the strategy is figuring out where they are, when and why to do what offshore, inshore, creeks, rivers, backwaters, oxbows, Keith Boucher. It's no different. You don't know if in the bass boat world and the opens and all that, if someone's not doing something shady too. So are they discussing? I think you know, it's funny are, that you, know, you, keep, I mean, you keep referencing <laughs> Keith yeah. Boucher because I know yeah. there was a lot of controversy that surrounded him doing shady stuff in that very essence. I, th- right, I think but- what people, I think what people are saying with, with the, the off limits time and, you know, changing, I know bass already has that. It's like four days or something like that. Mm-hmm. The off limits time, the info rules, and and the, the possibility of defined yeah. launches is just trying to make it uh, level across the deal for everyone. I I would be about a defined launch, but let you launch. It used to be you could launch whenever you wanted to, but maybe bump that up an extra thirty minutes, give you an hour to get to your spot, yeah, and let you portage over whatever the hell you want is portage up as far as you want to go up a creek. But everyone start off from the X Y Z spot whatever the launches are and I, and I don't mean core ramps I mean there's not enough core ramps to suffice but but just define well, I, yeah I'm just still trying I'm just so confused on what anyone's talking about leveling the playing field we all have the exact same rules it's all level right now no one did there's it's level like what what's that level I'm confused about that term like it's all perfectly equal and level we all it's public it says public access so that, no, no, that, no I'm not talking about the launches you know what I'm saying like Drew, I mean, I mean yeah, all the rules we, I just mentioned but like like for instance, the opens got a twenty day, twenty eight day off limit period. To, yeah, yeah. To, I like that. To level the playing field of time on the water. That's what I do I mean like that. I, I like the yeah. Okay, talking to that rule, I'm a big fan of that, dude. Put a like like Bass did. They could extend it. I've always said make the make it two or three weeks before the tournament and give people four days to choose to pre fish. Just four days. It doesn't matter which ones. That way, the the working man can take off on the weekend if let's say tournaments two or three hours from him he can go pre-fish you know saturday sunday one weekend saturday sunday the next weekend that's his four and then roll in on friday and fish and those are his four that he picked that's fine and somebody else could go in on tuesday you know and fish tuesday wednesday thursday friday and that's the four he picked and that's it, how it's do very you verify worse. that is the that's the trick you know doesn't matter how do you verify that fish fish weren't pulled out of a basket in this tournament? How do you verify any of that stuff? You don't, you don't have and to And that's another it. reason for, for, you know, like <laughs> having people launch together and stuff. Cause there's, yeah. you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that happens when eyeballs aren't on people. Right. What, I think what? you increase the likelihood like, and, and we talk about media and promotion and camera boats and drones, right. like, there's, I feel like there's a lot of different factors that are going to go into making a, a tournament trail legitimate in the, the spectacle of spectators. Yeah, yeah and I, I think, Drew, you said it a little bit ago about bringing over like the crossover from the bass boat world and trying mm-hmm. to get more eyes from there. And I think, Ryan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that is the things we're hearing from some of those folks preventing them from crossing over. Am I oh, right on that? For sure. Yeah. They're like, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. that's where, you know, that's where we get some of these things about the, I mean, you know, David Lowry is a great and... example. Like, you know, excellent bass boat fisherman. Dylan fishes, obviously all the kayak tournaments with us, but he's like, y'all's rules are like <laughs> a screen door. Like there's, there's not there, you know, uh, it just, it does not hold water. Like there, we don't, we don't do polygraphs. Like there's really nothing that is, is knocking, knocking anything out of the park here as far yeah. as shoring up the the deal that we've got a deterrent yeah the polygraphs um will be helpful we've talked about that before ryan that'd be helpful if, if bass would do that i know that they have the potential to do it if anytime they want to 
and I'll tell you this, I mean, just to make anyone, you know, feel better whenever I've won tournaments, I've always been, been asked, you know, Hey, show me where you launched, show me where you took out always. And I even, you know, I told, uh, Mark Cisneros, he's the camera guy for bass and I share my location with him. So he's got it. Uh, and it's tracking me all during the day, you know? So, you know, I think when you get high level and you start, see, the thing is this, if you cheat, you're going to start getting media boats on you and attention and they're going to be wanting to cover you. So it's hard to ever in kayak fishing, you can do it for a while, but the second that attention gets on you and the cameras and the media, then what are you going to do? If you've been cheating the whole time, how are you going to like pull it off? So at least that kind of helps too. Cause I told, uh, I told Dwayne, I said, man, I would love for you guys to send a kayak behind me, you know, just, just follow me all day. And you know, they don't have that infrastructure yet to do something like that. But I was like, hey, at any point anyone wants to do that, you know, feel free. So they are doing their job as tournament directors and, and making sure that people are, are doing things properly um, the, within the rules that are written. So and I, they're, doing the, they're doing it for everybody. Obviously, it's not just me, anyone. You know, they just they double check stuff like that. So, yeah, so it's, just, it's just some of those things, like I said, to try to to. I don't know what the word secure the sport. Would that be the right word, Ryan? I don't know. To, as it, as it grows and gets bigger in the month, secure, like, right? build confidence, legitimize. Like, I, I think, I think we have, again, I think we have a lot left on the table as far as our rule set compared to the opens or the elites or, you know, any other top tier <laughs> segment in, in the sport of fishing. And yeah, I hope that that's what this We're... grows into, whether it's Hobie, Bass, whoever, both of them have, these gaping holes in, in rule sets that I think we need. Yeah, to and, and you know, it's not about if it'll happen. It's about when it'll happen on somebody trying to, to push the envelope. Obviously we've seen it already. People cutting tails and shoving weights in walleye and doing all kinds of <laughs> crazy shit. So yeah. people are going to push the envelope and do things that aren't right. So, you know, I just, I agree. I think we need to, to try to, to, to tighten things up, eliminate the gray as much as possible and keep it black and white. But uh, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what Bass does. We'll see what Hobie does. Uh, you know, yeah, as technology we'll improves, who knows what technology will offer, you know, from your cell phone and, and data perspective, you know, what, what they can use in there to secure things. I, I, yeah. I you know, I don't, there's, there's some stuff that, yeah, I can get cleaned up a little bit for sure. But, but the overall, the way that they're performed and the way that they're done, the body, like the water we're able to fish and get to the same way, we can go on the weekend and do it on the lake is, is fine. We just need to just to tighten up a few other things, the wording, but I mean, like with uh, the opens, like you're saying, you know, there's no, I've heard people talk about Keith Boucher's win is like, you know, loopholes and stuff like that. And, and dude, there's no, I mean, I come from a, you know, uh, like I said, a sports management background where I ran sports leagues and you're, you're kind of insulting Hank, Hank Weldon and Chris Bowes when you say that, you know, Keith Boucher found a loophole because you're telling, you're saying to them, Hey, we, you know, you guys, your rules, you don't know your own rules. Like you weren't aware that someone could push pull in and do that kind of stuff. Like you're kind of like insulting them, dude, everything he did, he videoed it. So we, we see that he got in there just fine. They're totally aware that, that that's legal and you can do that. And they're, you know, anyone, yeah, the people, the, the people that questioned Boucher didn't know the rules because their rules say yeah. you got to use the same boat all year. So he was fishing out of that metal boat out in the middle of Lake Champlain and stuff and getting beat to death. So there's some downfalls to using, yeah. that, using that boat too. So, uh, the Poche yeah. thing. Yeah. We I, had a good I, comment that came up though, that it's, you, you have two different people and one thing means something different to the other part. Like, I think the rules are yeah. more open to interpretation. Like some say paddle across, some say float across, some say, as long as you can get across it and still be in, in your kayak, 
well, shit, you can go a long way across dry land if if your kayak or paddleboard is light enough. <laughs> like you right. can get out and scoot across the yard if you want to to Nickajack. But I, you know, where's the line? I think that's that's the biggest thing. Is like in these gray areas, where is the black and white? Like there has to be you know, something firmed up somewhere that takes out, either takes out or like Jeff said, wide open. You launch here, you launch on the lake, you go 50 miles up this creek if you want to. But, the, you know, I think when you get instances to where somebody's just way back out in the middle of nowhere, the chances of them actually bumping into somebody and, and you know, there being any kind of oversight or anything is slim to none, right? I mean, you're like... I think, honestly, probably you and Travis Dawkins that stayed with us. Travis is also a river rat like yourself. He, We talked for hours about this stuff uh, in the house at Pickwick. And he's like, dude, he's like, I, you know, I'll push up, push up rapids and all kinds of stuff. Like, it really opened my eyes to, like, the expanse of how much further you can get to doing stuff. Like, he was telling me places on Chickamauga, like, you know, that I never even thought you would be able to access in a kayak or paddleboard or whatever, but, you know, either open it all the way up or change the verbiage to where it's super clear on stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I mean, the way the rules right now, it's pretty clear. All creeks connected to Pickwick Lake. I don't know what's not clear about that. It says all creeks and rivers that are connected. So if people don't, understand that then i don't know what to say man but but that's it's pretty clear as far as that goes but as far as what you were saying on the you know going over dry land well if you're going over dry land to something that's a a pond well that's obviously it's that water's not connected anymore it's a man-made that's why the word man-made is important to have in there man-made dam or or berm or whatever you can't get through you know what i mean a pipe or whatever right it's just you know shallow extreme extreme example on a show a couple shows ago that right now according to the it's not in the rules at all uh, yeah, you the, could literally rent a backhoe and dig a trench to a pond, and there is no rule against it. Now that. it's connected. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so you know that's, that's what pretty I'm extreme, like, but that's like, that's what he's talking about with the gray area. Yeah, like we have to cut out some of this stuff, especially the fact <laughs> that it happens, like <laughs> that it's not it's not something that has not taken place. So yeah, yeah. I think that's so, an issue. You know, like at the Dardanelle event, yeah. there were folks digging trenches through grass. I mean, that did happen. Uh, you know, what's allowed and what's not allowed. So yeah, that, that, but it's it's just yeah, but I mean, it's pretty clear though if the water's connected, it's a, it's part of that lake because the water is all connected. It's not separated by a man-made, you know, a whole new ecosystem of farm pond. It's connected. It's free flowing is the word. It's all the little fingers and arms, kind of like we talked about. With, so like, what, so what if there's an obstruction you know, in between the lake and maybe you know twenty or thirty miles up a creek that you're fishing? How do you know if that obstruction's there? What do you mean? How you how do you know if it's there? If there's a tree down, if the water's dropped, and now there's a shoal that's ten miles, yeah. ten miles down the creek from you, that's now an obstruction that doesn't connect to the to the lake anymore. Uh, I'll tell you, the rules say all lake, all rivers and creeks flowing into Lake Pickwick and must be accessed public access. So if you access at public access and you go down and you hit that and you don't, if you, for some reason hit it, you just, you can't go over it. You can't get out. You can't get out and go over it. You can't, according to the bass rules, you can't get out and go over it. It's pretty clear. If you do, if you do 
find something like that, you can't get out and go over it. Your fishing is done. You go back the other direction. Well, that's all, it, it's all you got to do. Go the ahead, rules Jeff, for bass yeah. actually, uh, I don't know if yeah. they'll be the same way, but the bass rules yeah. say all water must be accessible from the main lake. Yeah. So not, if you're fishing above exactly. an obstruction, does the, that the, make it inaccessible right. from the main lake is the question. That's what I'm saying right, right. with the gray area stuff. Like it's open. Yeah, they can clear that up. And it's also weird because it's also weird because this, Jeff, to your point, well, accessible to Drew is different than accessible to somebody else in a big Hobie. So that's right. It, it, that's not that's not fair to the whole field. Then, well, I'll, I'll use the because, example on Dardanelle. Drew, you know, uh, yeah, there was a there was a back. Did you hear the story about the backwater that somebody dug a trench? Yeah, some oh, grass? yeah. They there was floating vegetation, and they so clean, there no were some guys was, that easily got in there yeah. without doing that. That were in. Right paddle yaks but the big pas couldn't do it so they had to dig a trench so that's what you're talking about right two different, yeah two different they, yeah they, they trenched it which is like fine but if you see things in the rules that say you can't clear this and you can't do that and you, whatever you can't do this and they always say before the official practice or before yeah you know this time they're basically they're literally telling you if you just read the rules but you can do this up until that point so it's like it's it's pretty, you know, there are areas that need to get tightened up for sure. I'm, I'm in agreement with you guys on that, but there's, a, but, but the overall of what we're doing, you know, kayak fishing, you know, using the kayak for its intended purpose, uh, which is going anywhere offshore, you know, coves, you know, cr backwaters, creeks, rivers, using it everywhere. And especially in the shallower water, which is the whole, which was de defines the boat from the other boats. Bassmaster in these places, they have, enough tournaments all in the main lake if someone doesn't want that stuff in there and they're in the kayak fishing world and they just want to fish the main lake stuff i mean you might just i hate to break it to you but the best tool for the main lake is not a kayak you might want to go do some boat tournaments up there but the beauty of the kayak is it can go anywhere and in the offshore shallow and that's literally defines you know the boat so you know keeping those kind of creative stuff in there is what's going to make our sport awesome when it's televised one day, all the cool creativity that's able to be, to be done, but yet the technology live scope and the motors and everything else we're using can find, you know, fish the same way that the bass boat guys can. And we can, we can pounce on those fish and we can pounce on the other fish. And so, some of the best anglers will be the ones like Paul and Nick and Wheeler who can do both. And they know when to do both. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, like I said, it's a it's a discussion. We could probably sit here all night and talk about these yeah, different probably. nuances in the rules and the gray areas. Um, you know, and it's obviously going to develop year by year and organization by organization. I, you know, I'll be curious to see where they land on it with Bass, Hobie, or whoever else decides to uh, to try to clean up the gray. Yeah, if you want to put it that way. So we'll see. Yeah, for sure. We'll see. Um, we've been going a long time. I know you just got home. You want to see your family, Drew. We won't keep you too much longer. But I, you know, congrats again on the win, the three wins in a row, really, in the in the AOI victory. Um, you know, thanks, buddy. Plaque to the wall it, back there, man. Another next stop, yeah, TOC. Is that your next? Uh... uh, KBFNC, and then I'll do the TOC. Oh, you fishing the national championship? I got yeah. you. Yeah, right. I got fish that two hundred forty something people in it. So right now, so should be good. Uh, a good purse there. So we'll see. I'll go, be up man. there All this right. weekend for our state championship. See what old Kentucky Lake's holding. I'm not really, <laughs> not yeah, really that excited to see. You, <laughs> well, hey, we'll congrats, there. congrats to you. We're gonna let you slide out here, Ryan. I'll finish All right, guys. Up, but I'm sure we'll see you out on the road here. I always appreciate the, uh, congrats, the, the conversation, take care. man. Yes, Thanks sir. for doing what you guys do. Appreciate it. See you guys. Uh -huh. All right, see ya. All right, man. What a good show. Appreciate Drew and his uh, insight and his. Uh, uh, 
giving us details on his victory on the tournament and the AOI. Um, what do you think, man? I'm curious to see where these organizations do go with all the different rules and, and different things. And, and if somebody will take the league, the lead in, in making some changes we've talked about, will it be bad? I, I think, think it has, I think it has to be short up, you know, ultimately I think no matter which way you slice it, like we gotta, we can, we can do better. We've had a lot of things that kind of got highlighted as far as, you know, <laughs> where the rules might be weak or how the rules were manipulated to, to do certain things that may be, uncouth in some some circumstances but i think ultimately you know all the organizations as we've seen this season can benefit from some kind of tightening up whether it's whether it's information whether it's waterway modification you know i i know obviously the launch and access is a is a big point uh, as well um we'll see we'll see what they bring to yeah. the table next year and as far as changes go i would love to see more of a celebratory is that a right, the right word? Aspect to the captain's meetings. Like, let's cut down the amount of reading the rules for 45 minutes and bring more music sure. and food and hanging out and doing whatever at these captains. If you meetings. haven't read the rules <laughs> by the time you start the tournament or you don't know the rules by the time you – like, that's on you. That's, that's angler responsibility. Like, no one should have to read you the rules, right? Like, and I love that they put the first cast and launch times on identifiers. Like, yeah. That's pretty much that's that's one of the main things you need to know. What time to cast and what time to stop casting. Like those are those are your two biggest responsibilities. Wear a PFD and bring a bring a measuring board that's approved. Yeah. I mean you still need a reason to get together for a captain's meeting, but I just wish we could somehow make it a little a little less more formal fun. and more fun. You know what I mean? I don't oh, know. Yeah. We're gonna if we're gonna be there, let's let's do something with it. But um I always say that's one thing old Bo Reed had right back in the day. He used to blow it out at the captain's meetings back when he was running tournaments in Texas. I know a lot of Texas <laughs> folks don't like him, but Lone Star Beer was a flowing at those those events down there in Texas. I um, like it. I mean, I yeah. like it. Yeah, good stuff. Um, anything else, man? Ready to wrap this thing up? I know you're tired. I'm tired. I, I'm gonna go speaking. to the dentist tomorrow. Get old, get old sore boy out, and then uh, I'll be good as new. Be ready to yeah. rock. There we go. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody watching on YouTube, Facebook. If you're listening on the podcast later, we appreciate you a ton as well. Please give us a review on, on uh, Apple Podcasts over there. We're gone. We'll see everybody next week. See y'all.